It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon run into the plate. And he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today. But why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> this is our fucking city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Are you ready for some fucking GM rejection talk? Are you ready to hear about all the people who don't want to work here? If so, we got the podcast for you. All the people that are like, my family this. My family that. Let's go Red I don't want to work for your baseball team. Boy, do I have the podcast for you. It is the Name Redacted podcast, which again is America's most beloved podcast. I don't know that this is America's most beloved team anymore because it seems like no one wants to work for this team. I have a take about that. I have a take about that, Tyler. I really do. Okay, continue. But before I do that, I just want to say that things are heating up in the ballpark and the playoffs are underway and the chase for the crown, to, the chase to crown champion is on with DraftKings Sportsbook. You won't miss a moment of baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings same game parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game 
for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Opt-in and 10-plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The take is, Tyler. I'm happy that these people are being honest. All, and we're going to get to it because Tyler, I, I made Tyler prepare. I said, a lot of Red Sox fans are interested in who the next... And and I've said this before. It fucking annoys me. Like, just just call it a general manager, fucking director of baseball operations, Pobo, CBO. Like, yeah, like just call it a general manager. Why do we have to keep making up new names? It's a general manager. I do like the new names. They're creative. But then, like, I can't keep up with all of them. Like, what does Pobo stand for? Uh, President of baseball operations. President of baseball operations, direct chief baseball officer. Like it's all the same thing. You're all you're a general manager. BDT. What's that? Big Dick Trader. What? It could be. You could create it. Big ball trader. BB T. I I just want. I just All I'm saying is that the Red Sox manager. are looking for help. I'll help. If you want titles, you want to create different things, I'm willing to help. I, I told you we already landed on the new name, the uh uh the uh the Emperor of Baseball Commands. That's what I want the what? job title to be. You gotta say that and make mine sound awful. Well, yours yours is awful, and it's not because of comparison, like it's awful on its own. Continue. The Red Sox are looking for a new general manager. Okay. And uh, all the reports have suggested that no one, no one wants a job. So before we get into a discussion about that, I'm going to kick it over to Tyler here to tell you folks at home who has already interviewed, who has publicly said, no, thank you. Who has been linked. We don't know if they've been interviewed and everything in between. Cause this, this young man is tweeting 50 times a day. Like if someone walks past Fenway Park, he's reporting it. It's all we have right now. I understand. Trust me. I get it. I get it. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. And uh, I feel like you have done the best job of rounding that information up. So Tyler, if you could, please. 
So we can start on the positive side. Guys, we know who've interviewed that we can sit here and actually have a conversation about. We have Eddie Romero. He yeah. fills an assistant GM position with the Red Sox. We know mm-hmm. that. Thad Levine, that came out over the last week. Twins, Twins GM, works under Derek Felvey. He's a number two. Craig Breslow, assistant GM, director of pitching with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Neil Huntington, uh, formerly ran everything <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Pirates for a long time. Could you fucking imagine I'd being like, hey, hey, remember that time that you you traded uh, Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows? And wasn't Boz in that deal yes. too? Uh-huh. For fucking Chris Archer. Like, yeah. Yeah, I know how like, you know, how you just like had zero success with the Pirates and maybe one of the worst trades in modern history. Can we get a little bit of that going in Boston? <laughs> you could also throw in the Garrett Cole trade, which they didn't do really well on. They did get Joe Musgrove back, but it was never really anything that happened in Pittsburgh. Wow. We know Joe Musgrove for what happened in San Diego. Um, after that, the other two known interviews are internal candidates. Paul Taboni, who's the VP of amateur scouting and player development. He's been doing that since last year. He was in the amateur scouting department from 2015 until last year. The other one is Mike Groupman. We've mentioned him a few times on this podcast. He's the one guy that Heinblum brought in, you know, at that level, at the upper level. He serves as an assistant GM right now. He was the VP of international scouting for the Brewers from 2018 to 2021. He worked with the Royals in baseball ops and analytics from 2008 to 2018. So those are all the confirmed. We know they've been at Fenway. They've had the conversation. They are legit candidates who haven't withdrawn. Uh, in terms of names, we've heard that are linked, but there's no interview set up or at least confirmation. Kim Ang, who we know the whole Marlins situation played out over the last week. They mm-hmm. basically Ben Charrington or Ben Charrington her and said, hey, we're going to hire a Pobo. It's your choice. She said, I'm good. The other name, which I'm still surprised we haven't got any confirmation on considering he has Red Sox ties. It's Josh Burns. There's been no, you know, cue that he's come here for an interview or that he's willing to talk. It's just been that, oh, this is a a guy that makes sense. He has a Theo connection. Very uh, forward thinking in terms of analytics, known for his drafts over the years uh, with the Padres and D-backs. Then we get to the rejected list, which it's pretty long, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll go down here. Sam Fold, Brandon Gomes, Derek Felvey, Chris Antonetti, Mike Hazen. John Daniels, Emil Sade, Michael Hill, James Click, and Raquel Raquel Ferreira. How bad do you feel now for sucking Sam Fold's dick dry and now knowing that he had no interest in in any of that? Not bad at all. I don't think that takes away for who from who Sam Fold as is as a candidate. I think what it really points to, and it's kind of this constant thing. Guys who know it's only a matter of time until they get a job that they're going to get their legit shot because Sam Fold and Brandon Gomes, those are the two up and comers. Those are the guys everyone kind of looks at and say, you know, it's only a matter of time before someone hires them. They said, hey, we're good. We, we don't even want to have a conversation about it. And I'll tell you, yesterday I said it on air. After Sam Fold, hearing the James Click stuff, he was my number one. Another guy who said, hey, I'm fucking good. We'll have a conversation, but that's it. I don't want to be seriously considered here. Um I don't think it takes away from who they are as candidates. I think it just continues to point to the same thing here where, you know, Sam Fold talked to Dave Dombrowski. You don't think he's hearing shit, you know, about what happened here when Dombrowski got fired and how that played out. It's the same thing with James Click. That was a night. I was there. uh, (laughs) Obviously not in the room, but I was at Fenway that night and the the scuttlebutt was that the firing did not go down smoothly. And that he stormed out. And then Click is like besties with Heim. Like you're just going to like unceremoniously fire all these dudes and then try to hire their best friends as if they're not telling them like, 
hey, just be careful. Like, this is how it goes over there. And be like, oh, no, that sounds great. I mean, it's still the Red Sox. At the end of the day, it's still the Red Sox. It's still something where uh, you take the good with the bad, or at least you should, because Dombrowski still got his ring. Um, I know Haim probably will walk away from his time in Boston not feeling super great about any of it, really. But uh, maybe 21, I guess. But if you're Dave Dombrowski, it's like, yeah, you know, I got to spend some money. I got to make some trades and we won a World Series. But outside of that, they fucking fired me the next year. And I feel like I didn't deserve that. But I don't know. I, I, I mean, you, you can't just go out there and try to hire the best friends of the dudes that you just fired consecutively. So, like, we talk about James Click. The dude legit got his job in Pro Ball from Heim Bloom. Imagine the audacity to get on that phone call and be like, hey, whatever he's telling you, let me tell you the truth. Like, this is how we saw it. This is where everything went wrong. This is why he got the boot. And then you get on the phone with Heim. He's like, I'll tell you really what happened, how this all went down. The same thing that's been floated in the Ken Rosenthal article about not getting the proper support he felt, you know, from Cora or really ownership at different points. That all exists here. That and it's even more revealed in those convos, all those back channels. So it kind of is what it is. I think that's what the main takeaway, though, is Sam Fold, Brandon Gomes, a guy like Derek Felvey, who has a great gig in Minnesota. Chris Antonetti doesn't have to worry about anything. Uh, you know, could stay in Cleveland for the rest of eternity. Mike Hazen, they love him in Arizona. They're in the NLCS, comfortable and sitting. John Daniels, that is one you kind of look at a little weird and you're like, hey, that's a guy who, you know, he's working with the Rays, but he's seemingly working off base. Maybe it really is a family consideration. But Emil Sade, a guy who's going to get a job at some point, he's comfortable, just signed an extension. Mike Hill, you know, hanging out and I don't know if he's going to get another front office job or at least as a lead guy, but he's working for Major League Baseball. All these guys are in pretty, you know, situ- pretty good situations where they don't really have to panic or force a move. You're not pulling anyone away. It's great to say, oh, family considerations. Well, if the job was worth it, if you thought it was that kind of opportunity, the life changing moment, you jump on it. But if you're comfortable, you have a long term status job with an organization, or if you're a new guy that's about to get that spot and he's going to have his pickings, you're not going to come here. There's too many red flags right now. It's the same. It's almost the same as like free agency where you're just not. A desirable destination anymore, which is wildly depressing, you know, like to be a Red Sox fan and see free agents saying, ah, you know what? Actually, I'm good. And then have this. I mean, it's still very, very early. It's it's still October 18th. The World Series isn't even started yet. Never mind. Ended. But. On one side, I feel like it's good that if your heart isn't in it, you're not just taking it because it's a resume builder, but just because it's the Red Sox and like, oh, like I have a chance to win a championship. I like, look at the uh, titles that they've won since 2004. If your heart's not in it, then don't. I'm glad that you're not taking an interview. You're not wasting our time and you're not going to take the job just because it's the Red Sox. Like I want someone that believes in it that's going to come in here and be like, fuck yeah, like let's go. Um and maybe that person's already here. Maybe it is Eddie. And I, I feel like here's what I don't like. The narrative that has, I feel like has already kind of started within the fan base is that they're looking at Eddie getting the job by default. That's that's not right. Saying that Eddie's getting the job by default means no one else wanted it. There were no other potential candidates. That's just simply not true. If Eddie gets the job, it's because Eddie's the best person for the job. And I feel that way. 
You know, like I think uh, the concern would be you need complete turnover. Like what you're doing isn't completely working. So you need a, a new set of eyes, a new uh, perspective. That would be the concern is, is this not like a complete overhaul, but we need to go in a different direction. Is it going in a different direction if you give this job to someone who's been in-house for whatever, 10, 20 years, whatever it is? I think where a little of the breakup with Eddie happens is going into an offseason where, you know, you got to make a lot of major moves. You are going in with a guy who has not been in that spot before. And, you know, he's handling transactions. And I like Eddie. I think the biggest thing that will speak to Eddie being hired is the relationship with Cora. If they look at that as just the easiest kind of transition here and kind of kicking that ball down the road, because you don't have to make Eddie a pobo. You don't have to name him one of those things. You can name him a GM and then. If you want to treat him like Kim Ang, if you want to treat him like Ben Charrington at some point, who knows? Maybe in a year or two, they say, hey, we're happy with Eddie filling that role. Maybe we're going to Billy Epler you, right? We're, we're going to bring in a David Stearns. If we finally line up and we get the right guy, maybe the organization takes a step in the next year. And, you know, the Red Sox go from an organization that a lot of people are wary of to, oh, I see what's happening. I, it took a year for it to develop a little bit more in front of me, but I get what they're working with. Um, I, I think where that breakup happens a little bit is if you're looking for that kind of fresh, you know, set of eyes, that fresh pull inside the organization, like you're calling guys that have jobs. So clearly you're valuing experience to some degree in this conversation. You know, a Derek Felvey, a Chris Antonetti, a Mike Hazen, you're not getting that portion of it. And that is, you know, something clearly they value. They're looking for someone to make major moves. Even Spear mentioned his column. If it is Eddie or if it is, you know, or if it was Fold or Gomes, there's still a lot of belief even inside the organization. They need a senior guy added into this mix to bring some of that experience and leadership to the group. I will say so, that I thought um, the uh, James Click's name coming up, I was like, oh, okay. Like I was very intrigued hot. by it. Yeah. That's like I was sexy. Yeah. I was very intrigued. Like that would, that would have, that would have moved the needle for me. Best resume out of all the names we've talked about. He would hold the best resume in terms of the guy won a World Series, kind of got a raw handling in, in Houston. But really, you start to look into it. This is the least attractive situation to a guy like him. Why did he leave Houston? Jim Crane and Dusty Baker. He couldn't see eye to eye. He felt like they weren't valuing analytics the right way. Well, you're going to be coming into an organization where there's issues with ownership. They are weirdly sometimes not here, pulling weird, you know, levers here and there. And then you have to work with Alex Cora and you have to get along. That relationship really needs to be in sync. If you follow, you know, a lot of the high bloom level of thinking, there's a real chance, even if you're just being 100% honest, wow, there could be that similar disconnect or relationship issue existing once again. Jake, what's your uh what's your read on the GM search thus far. Are you discouraged? Is it a little too early? Like, is there any uh, alarms going off in your mind? I don't think any really alarms, but like, probably where I'm at is I don't, there's no one out there currently where I'm like, holy fuck. Like, if we get that person, like, that's huge. Yeah. Like, I'm more so just like, I'm rooting for the, the mindset of the front office to be like, we just want to spend. As long as that's the mindset, I'm good with that. Like, there's no one who I'm really like, we need that person. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, 
that person was Theo Epstein. To a lesser degree, it was James Click. And now it's, to me, it's more Eddie. Like, I think that, you know, I want someone that knows the system inside and out. He does. I want someone that would have a good relationship with Alex Cora. He does. And I want someone that gives a fuck about winning here specifically. And he does. Uh, I do think that he has that, like, let's go for it attitude, which is important. He's checking some boxes for me. And as far as the pool, like, what would you say right now? Give me your top. Could are there even five to give a top five for potential candidates right now? Yeah, we got six guys who've interviewed. So I guess if you want to consider it that, but like, no disrespect to Paul Taboni or Mike Groupman, I, I or Craig Breslow, like he hasn't done the fucking job. Yeah, and I think with Breslow, where it gets a little interesting here is he wasn't working in Chicago while he was an assistant GM. He was off base in Newton. So there was, you know, distance similar to what John Daniels seems to be doing in Tampa. Now, that wasn't an assistant GM role, but Breslow, has he been in the front office every day doing that kind of thing? No, that just hasn't been the case. That's not how his whole deal was set up. But yeah, I I think Breslow is a real candidate. You know, he's really that one guy you can go and say, all right, well, him and Cora do overlap in Boston. And you can go ahead and say former player, but understands analytics the same things we talked about with Sam Fold and Brandon Gomes. Well, I don't consider him on that level of, you know, hype or respect. You know, he just hasn't done the job, you know, in the same kind of market where Gomes had success with the Dodgers, where Fold had success with the Phillies. But you do have that player analytical mind kind of fused into one you could dream about. That's really what Craig Breslow would bring to the table. It's just he hasn't been in a front office for a super long time. Neither has Sam Fold, really, because he was in the dugout for a short stretch longer than Breslow. but something you kind of look at who would make you the happiest right now um the happiest uh, i guess i'd say would probably be eddie still because i think it's just the simplest thing like the kim ang situation i do think there's some slight not red flags but for an organization that has had really nothing go right for them uh, until this year i know 2020 they made the playoffs but really took a step forward and they were basically okay with letting her walk that is a little concerning. Uh, and I, I think there are warts on her resume. While I wouldn't be upset if she became the person here, um, I think like a lot of the candidates, there's no obvious like, oh, this guy's perfect, right? Like easy, don't even have to think about or girl. Like her, you look at it, you talk about the drafting hasn't been great. Pulled off a couple really nice trades at the deadline with Berger and Josh Bell. Uh, the Jesus Lazardo trade was really good. But, you know, she has a lot of you know, ugly moves, Avisel Garcia, Jorge Soler, Gene Segura, uh, Johnny Cueto, like things that didn't work out either. And she only had so much time after Jeter where she really was the number one voice. But I think Eddie, if you're talking about, like you said, checking off all the boxes, I know he works well with Cora. Um, I, I know he understands the organization where they're at. Can he get to it? I just, you would need to bring hopefully someone else in that is a leader or a veteran that is just here to be another voice in the room a fresh set of eyes that hopefully brings something different to the table. But like, I'd put a lot of these guys on the same tier, like Thad Levine. Okay. That guy, he's gone through a lot of interview processes or yeah, processes over the years. People forget with Philly, right? Like everyone thought he was getting the job and he pulled himself out and then they end up going Dave Dombrowski. Okay. Interviewed with the Mets. He pulled himself out, interviewed with the Astros in 2011. 
pulled himself out. Like, and you know, stats posted a couple videos, and I think he made a good point. Like, at the end of the day, a majority of people are gonna hear the guy hired, they'll go watch a 10-minute YouTube video, and they're like, ah, oh, he was the perfect guy all along, whether it's Eddie or whether it's one of these guys on the outside. But Thad Levine, it's like, all right, he's been a number two for a long time. He likes analytics, but he's willing to bend the model. Okay, that's something Heimbloom wasn't, you know, able to do. But people thought Heim was going to be able to break those models, right? What did, what did the videos that Stats posted say? I didn't see them. It, it was just talking, you know, basically on his outlook of pitching usage and how they handled the starters. A year ago, they leaned heavier on their bullpen. Uh, this year, the analytics pointed them leaning more on their starters as they did. You know, there was some talk of base running in there and him maybe not valuing base running to the same level. Um, but, you know, some of these conversations as a whole, you know, the Twins front office, the truth is there were conversations in the middle of the year that they needed to clean house. There's people that have been down on that Twins front office for different stretches. So, like, you come back to the same thing here. A lot of these guys have warts. You're not at that level anymore, whether it was Antonetti or Fold or Gomes or Hazen, where it's like, damn, like, it, it is really easy to sell this one. All of these, like you have your concerns. There's positives too, but trying to act like they're a tier above or significantly better than the other, it's just really not the case outside of Neil Huntington. That guy at the bottom where it deserves to be. I'm good. No, thank you. But I think everybody else, it's pretty, you know, on what you prefer. Do you lean more analytically? Do you care more about the player side of things? You know, Breslow, he can do both. Just what are you into? I am genuinely just blah. <laughs> like I, I it's I don't know. I would like to see Eddie get the opportunity. Um, yeah, it, it's not to to what you were saying earlier. There's no one man or woman where if they got the job, I would be like, "Fuck yeah!" Now we go. Um. I, and I, yeah, I tiered it. It was, it was Theo one. Um, I think James click would have been next. Even like a, even like a Kim Ang though. Like, I think it's, it's interesting because she would have assets that she didn't have in Miami. Um, not afraid to make the big move, obviously. But I think if we were to look back at her biggest move, I think it's not fair to say she came out on the losing side of it, but I mean, the twins definitely got the better part of it. No. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't hold the uh, Pablo Reyes deal that heavily. I think that's kind of one of those moves. It worked out for both sides for Lopez. what it was. Yeah, Pablo Lopez. That's what I said. You said Reyes. Did I say Pablo Reyes? You did. That's scary. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, Pablo. Yeah, I did say that Pablo Lopez. I just almost said it again. And Luisa Rice, like that's a move. I don't hold her super accountable on that. I think it's just the other things. And, you know, part of the write up was that there was a kind of disagreement with her and Sherman on analytics. And she seemingly was a little on the other side of the analytics where he's a super analytical guy. She really wasn't anywhere near the analytics. They had someone separate running that department. So is that something you look at as a red flag? For some people, it will be. For some, not. Um, and then, you know, we've mentioned the run differential thing. Like, all right, yeah, that team overperformed. So how good was it really? I don't know. Wins are wins at the end of the day, right? Like, I'm a big believer in run differential. But, you know, you're trying to 
analyze something here that there's just not a huge sample size because Jeter was there for a long time before she got full reigns. So I don't know. My tier, I'd call it Eddie. Yeah, I, I call it Eddie, Kim Ang, Thad Levine, and Craig Breslow is kind of like that top. And if you were telling Thad me... Thad Levine. Oh, I, I think he's fine. I, I don't... It's not... None of these are super sexy to me. None of these are I'm like, like you said, I'm like, oh, yeah. But Thad Levine, someone who has gone along far in the process a couple times, likes analytics, but is willing to bend to them a little bit. OK, I'm interested. Uh, you know, I can hear on it, but acting like I know his philosophy super deep. I don't. He's the second guy. And I can tell you in the beginning when him and Derek Felvey first lined up, they were both very public. They were always kind of together talking to the media. He's kind of gone away the last couple of years. He's kind of been more in the background. What does that mean? I don't know. But if you're talking about public facing and being present, something to consider. <sighs> but I, I think Eddie is the, the simple solution. Whereas if it's Eddie and you push him all the way up and you hire Breslow to fill like the second role, the GM, the BOH role. You could do that. Right. And you say, hey, we like Breslow. We're going to kind of completely change how we approach pitching and go about it that way. All right. You know what I mean? Like, it's interesting uh, way to kind of go about it. But that that kind of that's probably one of the, the better solutions, because I was just thinking how uh, let's just say hypothetically out of all the candidates that Eddie is the best candidate for the job. If the entire news coverage of the GM search is that no one wants the job and then you hire an internal candidate, that's kind of confirming it where it's like, ah, no one really wanted this. So like we kind of settled on this guy and like that's unfair to Eddie because I think if the, say there are 10 potential candidates, he might legitimately be the best one for the job. Like I don't want I don't want anyone to like rain on his parade if he ends up getting the job. But if you also make a hire like a Craig Breslow to be underneath Eddie, because to what you were saying earlier, it's not like he's worked in an actual front office day to day and is there part of the baseball operations, things like that. Sure. I, I think uh, traditionally, or at least in, in more recent Red Sox history, we've had a lot of like too many cooks in the kitchen discussion, but I don't think that you can have too many bright baseball minds. And I think Breslow is one of them. Like, is he ready to run an entire operation? No. Um, do I think Eddie is capable of doing that? Yes, I am. I'll add in like the Chad Jennings article, which was like the damn that gave like with all these names and, you know, guys who were turning it down. Throughout there, you know, there's mentions of this guy interviewing, but, you know, it's basically a description with Eddie. There was an anonymous source in there and I can pull it up. That was absolutely just like lathering it on when it came to Eddie. And, you know, I understand that. I think that's pretty understandable. That's how, you know, people inside the organization feel. Um, about Eddie for the most part and just kind of adding him to the mix. Like, oh, this is a guy that if there's a candidate amongst us, if there's someone who deserves to be considered, it's him. Uh, no disrespect to Raquel or anything like that. But I do think Eddie is, you know, in terms of what he's been doing, handling transactions and all that stuff, it's pretty clear who they look at as their number one. Um, let me see. Let me pull it up here. Um, it was someone internally that said this about Eddie. Yes. Okay. I just got to find it. There's been so many. 
little Red Sox updates over the last few days. Raquel mm -hmm. is like the cool mom of the Red Sox organization. Like, yeah. She, because she also cited family as a reason for why she wouldn't want the job. Uh, I believe her family is mostly in Rhode Island. I could be wrong. Um, it would have been cool to see her move up the ranks. Like she's just the fucking best. I, I told her that she has no choice but to appear on the podcast in 2024. Yeah, I, was like, like, I gave you five years. I asked her. I think I asked her in like 2019, maybe somewhere around there. And I was like, I've given you five years to duck it. And 2024 is the year that you come on. Because I feel like, you know, I, I don't know. Most of these like BOH and Eddie, like how many Red Sox fans actually know these people's personalities? Like they just see them as names in a tweet or they see their picture on the athletic. Raquel is the coolest fucking person. <laughs> like she's so cool. Like she, I think, is like I said, she's like the 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 cool mom of the Red Sox because they all they all have a great relationship. Like the players, the players' families, the players' daughters, sons, their parents. Like it's it's such like a tight knit group. Um, so yeah, that this year I will do my best to deliver a podcast appearance with Raquel. And you'll all come away from it being like, she's fucking awesome. And like Cora is the most vocal about it, I think, out of anyone where he'll just bring her up, you know, when they're talking about the front office and stuff like, don't forget Raquel. Don't forget yeah. the role she plays in this. And I think, you know, that's why she gets considered for this job. And I think, you know, she'll get considered for other jobs. We've already seen it once uh, on her end going out, you know, away from the team for an interview. Yeah. But, you know, going to the Chad Jennings article here, this is one person in the Red Sox organization. They said, Eddie should be the guy, in my opinion, smart, articulate in two languages, people skills, media savvy, scouting experience, negotiating experience, has worked under four GMs and has, and has the fortitude to take risk. Okay. So like willing to take a risk, not scared to do that, has worked on some contracts and different stuff like that in negotiations. We know we talked about Shohei Otani and how he was you know, a major part of that push when he was coming out of high school. Eddie checks a lot of boxes. And when you say the Alex Cora relation as well, knowing that unknown is taken care of, I think is as big of a wild card as anything in this convo. You don't have to worry about it with him. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think I'm leaning more towards Eddie at this point. You now you were very high on Kimang. I know we've talked yes. about that a lot on here. Do you feel like? The way things played out with her kind of, you know, choosing to leave, but them saying we want to hire someone above you to make the final say. Did that impact how you feel? A little bit. Um, a little bit. I, I, because look at look at what, what happened to Ben Charrington. Like, did he ever after what the Red Sox did to Ben Charrington, did he ever end up in a decision making role in Major League Baseball again? Yeah, no. right now. Well, like, how long did that take? A decade? It took time. Yeah. What was he right before COVID? I think um, right in that ballpark. So, yeah, I, I think it took time for him to get another opportunity. But you also would say, well, they had Dave Dombrowski in the wings. The Marlins don't have fucking anybody. They, they were just like, we think we need to add someone. We're not sure. Dombrowski got hired and Cherokee was like, what? What, what? what just happened? I'm still working here. So, yeah. Uh, you know, like Kim Ng, they said. Eh, you know, we're going to restructure this thing. We think someone needs to be above you. 
we're picking up your mutual option, but you're not going to have final say anymore. How do you feel? And she said, I'm good, understandably. And I don't blame her for feeling that way. If I was like, I'd be like, dude, you're the fucking Marlins. Like, I just got you to the playoffs. I don't care if you have your doubts. You're the fucking Marlins. You're kicking me out the door. It's one thing if you're the Red Sox and you have a future Hall of Famer and Dave Dombrowski, you can compute it. The Marlins? What are you going to rehire Michael Hill? I wonder if Hyman's up down there. That, that would be fascinating. I don't think Hyman's going anywhere for a little bit. You think he seems uh, comfortable just letting things play out a little bit? I think he's. Uh, I think he's just going to let the dust settle for a little bit before he jumps back into anything. I don't blame him. But I, I think Heim and I think Dombrowski say what you will, whether you agreed, you know, with how Dombrowski went about it or you agreed with Bloom or if you hated how each one went about it at one point. People across baseball think both of them were wronged to some capacity. And it's not a few people. It's a good portion of people. Bloom and people who? Think, click. Huh? Bloom and who? And Dombrowski. Uh, uh, uh. I think people look at both of them and say, these guys, they did what they were asked to do for the most part. They were punished for it. Well, here I am now. Looking at this opportunity. I don't I can't trust you. If I'm Sam Fold or if I'm Brandon Gomes, I know I'm going to get a job. It's a matter of time. Why am I going to put myself in that position? I just I just don't think that it's as undesirable as it's being painted. Like you're oh, just because like you're, no, you're the Red Sox still a manager. Like, yeah, like you 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 you're going to have one of the top payrolls in baseball. You have one of the best farm systems in baseball. You play in a market that gives a shit about baseball tremendously. I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess if you really wanted to inherit a situation where it's a blank canvas for you, but how many opportunities like that are ever going to exist? Every general manager is going to enter a situation where there are players that I don't have my fingerprints on. Uh, there are going to be people in the front office that existed from before I was here. There that may be here after I'm gone. Like it's just I don't know. I, I think too much is being made about the Alex Cora part of it because at the end of the day, if you were to ask most baseball executives, like power rank the managers in Major League Baseball right now, like Alex Cora is in a lot of people's top fives, if not all of them. Like a vast How do you get majority. to five without him? Yeah. So it's not like, oh, like I'm inheriting this manager. Really? Like I'm, I'm inheriting uh, Ron Renicky, and they're really <laughs> high on this guy. It's like, that's not, that's not the case. You're inheriting Alex Cora, who if there were an anonymous poll of MLB executives give me your top five managers in baseball. I would say he probably appears on 93% of those. Maybe I think higher. Where, yeah. I, I think where the conversation differs though, it's like, all right, you can have a negative or two. Now, Cora manager, he's in place. Some people like to pick their guy also continues to hint at a front office job one day and that he would like to do that. That is a concern when, you know, someone you're working with wants to hold your job one day. Kind of scary. Then you add in, all right, well, in the front office, they aren't really into adding a lot of guys. Like Heim came in here. He brought one guy with him, Mike Groupman, in, you know, in terms of the assistant GM tier. Those guys at that level, uh, you know, Heim got one guy. 
well, maybe I want to bring my guys. Maybe I don't trust some of the guys you have down there. Maybe I look at it and I say, I think you need fresh eyes there. I think that's something you need to do differently. I don't agree with how you go about it. That's another. Then you throw in, all right, well, then there's the ownership. And, you know, there was a report, I believe Joel Sherman had it saying, there's belief that the ownership group has become kind of distant. They're not super into the Red Sox. They're more focused on oh, all no their way. different business ventures. Shocker, right? We all know that. Who wrote that? Uh, uh, Joel Sherman, I believe. That's the perception or that's like the report? That's the, the perception. By Red Sox front office people? Talking to people around the league. I mean, how, how the fuck can they even deny that? No, even, you can't at this point. You just got to. But the thing is, they will deny it. And you know damn course, well they will. And that's the it, problem. He did it to my face. Yeah. <laughs> he, he I asked him to his face and and his reaction was, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I've been here for 20 years. And it's like, that's great. That that can be true. John, you've been here for over 20 years now at this point. And. But where have you been? Like not to not to uh, dip into the Chris Cotillo rant of the last three years. But I think that it, there is something to be said about how they're never around. Like Chris complains about it too much. Like He complains about it from the perspective of a journalist where it would be nice to have them available to the media so that he can get quotes and ask questions on certain situations. I mean, it has been an eventful few years. Like it's back fucking back. disgusting when you fire the guy that is the main guy leading your organization and you can't show up to show face. Didn't show up. That's I mean, awful. Two last place seasons. Doesn't show face. Uh, Tom Warner was at the Raphael Devers contract signing, which was the largest contract in Red Sox history. John Henry was not there. So even in like the, the good moments, he hasn't been there. And from Chris's perspective, and I'm sure a lot of other media members' perspective, I get your frustration. You don't have to be there all the time. But he's not even here some of the time. I saw him twice in 2023. The first time was at winter weekend when I asked him that question, like, do you still care? And the second time was the night that uh, Hauk got hit in the face with the comebacker and he he went to like personally check on him. I'm not saying that those are the only two times that he was around, but he most certainly lurks in the shadows. Like he is not someone that has been a forward-facing representative of this organization in recent years. And I think given a lot of the circumstances of firing Heim, of firing Dave Dombrowski, uh, of rehiring Alex Cora, was he there for that? Um, I think I, he I don't might remember, been. but like even the weirdness, like you show up in Atlanta for Kenley Jansen's save record, like well, the randomness of that. Yeah, right. You're telling Raphael Devers and, you know, John Henry flew down there. We all know the story. You weren't there for that. But when you, you know, the guy you signed as your closer for the next two years hit 400 saves, you were like, I need to be in the fucking dugout for yeah. this. Yeah, he's or, like, you know, oh, in the clubhouse. Congrats on 400 saves. I know that like only 13 of them were with us, but man, <laughs> like, huge I, accomplishment. I will be there. I'll be in the hype video. You will see every little image of me. I'm here to shake your hand. It's like, why the fuck were you there for that? But you're not there for Rafi. And I you were know, a big dude. part, apparently, of pushing that deal towards the finish line. Which again, Weird. we appreciate. Of course. But yeah, I don't know. Like, do you get the sense that the uh, 
dumpster fire is way too strong. The Red Sox Agreed. are not a dumpster fire. Do you get the sense that we're kind of a hot mess right now? Yeah, a hot mess is probably the best way to put it. And I'd put it like this. You are no longer a destination that people feel like they need to jump at. You are not going to get A-level candidates. You know, the Red Sox used to be a job opening where, dude, it didn't matter who you were. You're opening your ear. It didn't matter if you were comfortable in your job. You're like, that's where I want to go. You're just not viewed in that light anymore. And you have no one to thank Red Sox except ownership and how they handled the last two guys here. Word gets out. And last time we saw the little droppings that word got out with Dave Dombrowski, where you're getting guys like Hazen and Antonetti that were, eh, I'm good. No, thank you. Uh, we know Derek Felvey at that time as well. Well, it only gets worse after you bring in a guy like Hein Bloom and guys like Sam Fold and Brandon Gomes, who are in the same spot as Hein Bloom, can go and say, Well, I understand why a longtime guy was very weird about it when Dave Dombrowski got kicked out. Well, now I see myself and I'm in a similar position as Heim. Why am I going to follow those same footsteps? Like you understand why people question it. So that's why you're going to see the B and C candidates. You know what negative thoughts I've been trying to get out of my brain? What? I think we looked at not everybody. It's very divided. But uh, some people looked at the post Heim era as the era of the Red Sox getting back to being aggressive to spending more, to making the big trade, the things that Heim did not do while he was here. We also don't know what he was limited to because of his resources with John Henry. It would be catastrophic if Heim went somewhere else and immediately just built an electric, sustained success winner. It's like watching the Phillies right now. Yeah, but like there was a lot of pieces there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there's pieces there. Harper, Wheeler, Nola, Ramuto. You did pay him credit to them for doing that. I mean, they paid all of them. And, you know, I had that I had that discussion on baseball is dead, which maybe maybe um, maybe after the World Series, if the Red Sox still haven't selected their new emperor of baseball commands, maybe I'll bring in Tyler Milliken to, to do a segment breaking down. Uh, the Red Sox GM search because people are like, oh man, you know, you guys, I, I don't talk about the Red Sox on baseball is dead because we have a base, we have a fucking Red Sox show. It's but, the same reason though, we're not doing playoff talk on here, right? Like you're yeah. doing playoff talk with there. That's what that podcast right. speaks yeah, to. Yeah. But maybe, maybe there is a special guest appearance for Tyler Milliken on a national stage that's, uh, oh, you know what? I, you know what? Hang on. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I just I just you, thought of something. You gonna yell at me? No, 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 no. Oh, it's a very positive God. thing. I feel stupid that I, I mean, how long are we into this podcast right now? Uh, Forty five minutes, minutes, and we haven't brought this up yet. That's crazy. All right, I'm gonna say uh, something nice. Oh my God. Well, I'm gonna hit an ad read. Well, Jake's gonna hit an ad read. He's gonna tell the good folks at home about Blue Moon, and then uh, after that, we, have, we there's a big story that we have to talk about. Get it, Jakey. Even under the bright lights of the playoffs, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is the beer that's made brighter. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark for baseball fans, first brewed at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. From its bold, refreshing flavor to its beautiful, bright color, 
Blue Moon is as iconic as America's pastime. I bet Dennis Drinkwater was pounding Blue Moons when he was chilling at home and not sitting in traffic after Red Sox games. Boy, would I like to have a couple Blue Moons with that guy. Absolute legend of the game. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian-style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball, so it's the perfect match for the playoffs. The crack of a beer, the pour, the first sip of that bold flavor, Blue Moon always feels like a special occasion. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all through the playoffs. Not the Red Sox playoffs. Brighten up the baseball playoffs with Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for fresh baseball merch and visit get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly Blue Moon Brewing Company Golden Colorado Ale. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate you a lot. And uh, so does the rest of the fucking internet. (laughs) Because Jake just went two-time platinum on the internet. Banger. He so he sent me the like I got the advanced screening, which I greatly appreciated. And I was like, this is fucking incredible. Like I said, it was incredible. And then he tweets it out. It's been on the Internet for three days and it is just shy of two and a half million views. Two and a half million views. Jake did a video essay of Dennis Drinkwater, the greatest beat the traffic guy of all time. If you haven't seen it, go to Jake's Twitter, watch it. I mean, it's been retweeted over a thousand times. It's a, it's approaching 10,000 likes and it has 2.4 million views at the time of this recording. Uh, Jake, first of all, congratulations. That's appreciate that. It's great content. I mean, people, uh, I forgot to tell you because I mean, we haven't we haven't done this show since you put out the video, but people in my life that didn't know that you were attached to me were hitting me up being like, did you see that video about the, the dude that sits behind home plate? Like, have you seen that on the Internet? And I was like, yeah, no, I've seen it. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's a, there's videos that go viral and then there are videos that break the 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 barrier into like your everyday average joe that's just scrolling the internet and they see this video pop up and it's like oh it's got a lot of engagement maybe maybe i'll sit down and watch it and then they're watching it too and then they're like oh yeah you see this dude jake on twitter post this video <laughs> like oh you should check it out like, oh yeah, yeah 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 no i'll definitely check it out uh how how is that experience for you like going super mega viral that's crazy. I mean, some people are calling it the greatest documentary of all time. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Talk like top Jake. three or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been cool. Like it's 
it's been an overwhelming like people love it and then like you see it went viral on tiktok too and like seeing the comments on that is hilarious because it's like half of the people are just fighting about him going down to florida and evading taxes which is like <laughs> just totally not the point of the video but no. um I, I thought it was cool because like it's obviously someone like if you've watched the red Sox, you've seen him sit behind home plate all the time and like you might have noticed those clips it was it was actually when tyler posted the manny walk-off like a week ago yeah that like i i re-noticed his reaction behind home plate and i was like fuck like that that'd be a cool video so just decided to do it and it popped it was cool that is incredible like right now um hmm. i had people at work like they're like is that the Jake that does the podcast with you guys? I was like, yeah, that is because it came off. And Jake, I, I don't know if you made other videos like this on TikTok or anything, um, but it felt just so well put together. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you see all these, you know, Joey does it right. Like baseball doesn't exist. Foolish baseball, whoever it may be. It was like, damn, like first thing we're seeing and you're out here standing with them with how good the quality is like. That's fucking crazy. And for it to be Red Sox centric, like in a space where, you know, a lot of these guys cover MLB stories. It was refreshing to kind of see something that connects with all of us and that we're all fans of. Like, very cool. Very fucking cool, Jake. It has 1.1 million views on TikTok and 2.4 million views on Twitter. Yeah, I thought the timing was pretty funny, too, because everyone was like freaking out about front office candidates, blah, blah, blah. Like, no one wants a job. And I was like, you know what people need right now? Three minute breakdown on Dennis Trinkle. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear from like anyone? random being like hey i saw your video it's like hey, i haven't talked to you since middle school but i got a few texts um a lot of people who like saw the video but didn't realize it was me either like they're like oh yeah i saw that like that was fucking you that's crazy so um yeah a lot of people reached out it was fun we we need to be making more content like that <laughs> i mean that is uh that's why next year for the red sox personality twitter tournament like we're putting jake over because he'll 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 win it i have faith yeah with the with the island of relevancy backing him to win the tournament like he he will win the whole thing like jake doesn't tweet all that often like he's a he's a somewhat frequent tweeter but like not like though not like a daily but when he tweets, it's always just an absolute fucking haymaker tweet every time. It's like he just picks his spots. He's not a volume shooter. He's just like, oh, when I have something to say, I'll say it. And when I do, it's going to slap in the streets. And that's that's the that's the Jake M.O. right there. You know how hard it is to unify Red Sox Twitter even after Bloom, right? Like. They're still arguing every day whether people are like, oh, this is proof that Bloom's fucking work the last couple of years sucked. No one wants a job. And then there's, oh, well, look at ownership and Cora and how the front office set up. That's why people don't want to come get a job here. And Jake in the middle of it is like, here's something that everyone can talk and laugh and get along about. Like Jake is the unifying force. He is. He can make two hated sides come together and just appreciate Red Sox, you know, lore. We need to be making more content like that, Jake. And th- we need to, we need to collaborate on ideas for other mini docs like that, and then bring them to life. Hundred percent, Jake Productions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just wow. What a what a stable. What a what a 
what a well-rounded source of weaponry we have here. Made me proud. It's a proud moment for me, Jake. <sighs> um, what's wrong, J Dog? You seem down. I mean, kind I, of depressing. I, it is depressing. I told you it's depressing. Like, I, I, it's basically the equivalent of like when you're in your twenties and you just like you're in shape and. You know, everyone's like, oh, man, he's the hot guy. And then you get to your 30s and you're just like fat and gross and no one wants you anymore. Like you're used to being desirable. And then now you're at a point where everyone's like, oh, see, I think people will be like, oh, you went from like the hot girl to the ugly girl. I think you're just average. And that's what hurts so much because we look at the Red Sox. We say, man, we got the financial muscle. We have you know, the history, we have the fan base, people who care, the market, and damn, people look at us like we're just average. We look like, you know... You're you're a lawyer that is, like, grossly balding. Like, you have, like, you're balding, and maybe you have, like, hair on your back. It's just, like, not a good scene, but you're, you're a lawyer, so you have a fuck ton of money, so it's like, oh, he's got a nice car and a nice house, but, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I could fuck him, but... Do you worry that when these phone calls are ending or people are saying no, the Red Sox are like, well, I'm going to try to wow you on this call. I'm going to tell you what we want to do. Like, oh, we want to spend money. Whether if it's like not that, right? Like if they're like, oh, we're going to, hey, listen, take this job. We're going to fucking throw money at this. We're going to go nuts. Like that should make you want to come here, right? Or is it more like, no, you know, we're going to try to walk this line here and do it, you know, while building similar to Bloom. But we want to do it the right way. We, we, you know, Bloom didn't do it the right way. He finished in last place three out of four seasons. We need to be a step above that. We need to be better than that. I mean, Sam Kennedy was very, very, very cautious to tip his hand on what the Red Sox plans were in any press conference that he did in the last month or two. I don't know that he's directly tipping his hand to candidates that exist currently in other organizations um, or might go to a different organization. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to look at it as a red flag. Like, oh, man, the Red Sox are telling these guys like, hey, we're not really going to spend a lot of money. And they're like, oh, well, then I don't want to come there. It's just something I've kind of been wondering about, because like, I don't know, the really one that stuck with me weird, it Sam Folder, Brandon Gomes. I can understand why they wouldn't come here. Someone like John Daniels, I'm like, bro, you're rejecting us? Like, no offense I've to you, Never my in my life have I seen so many people cite their family for why they can't take a job. You work, but you work in Major League Baseball. It's like, there are only 30 teams. You're never going to exist with one team. What? So the team that you work for now, if, it, if you get fired, you're just never going to work in baseball again? Like, what does that no. mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means I'm not going to cut off a business relationship here. I'm not going to say I didn't want that fucking job. It sucked. It means uh, it's me. It's not you. That's what that means. Or, 90% of the time or not every time. Like I think someone like Raquel, I believe probably what she's saying about her family and stuff. It's real. It is what it is. When it's outside people, when it's James click, you picked up the phone, you heard them talk and then you said, ah, family, why'd you take the phone call? 
clearly there was something that could have happened, something they could have said. Maybe they wowed you and dropped you to your knees that you would have bent in a different direction. Maybe. Maybe. But for James Click, who does not work in an organization right now, correct? Uh, No, he works for the Blue Jays. He does? Yep. What is his job? Uh, VP of Baseball Strategy. Yeah, if you're in an organization right now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, my longevity in this organization, I know is going to outlast my longevity in the Red Sox organization based on their history. James Click knows he's going to get a job somewhere. Yeah. And he'll be able to knows he's going to get a job. You know, Brandon Gomes well, knows he's going to get a Dombrowski, job. Dave Dombrowski said that he wants Sam Fold to be his his successor. Guy. Yeah. And you look at what's happening in Philly right now. You're like, dude, this is fucking nuts. You know, Dave yeah. only has so many years. Now, if I were the one to tell him, be like, eh, we'll see how some of those contracts are at the end. Once, you know, he feels like it's his time to get out. I mean, the Phillies, but, the Phillies are having the fucking time of their lives right now. And Sam Fold is learning under Dave Dombrowski. What type of return of the favor is that going to be if he's like, hey, thank you for teaching me all you know. I'm going to go back to the organization that fucked you over with the knowledge that you just gave me. How is Sam Fold going to do that? You can't you can't argue it like it's just the reality of it. No. And you can argue with Brandon Gomes like that's someone Andrew Friedman. Andrew Freeman and Hein Bloom. I always used to say Andrew Freeman was Hein Bloom's dad, right? Like that was the guy he worked under, did all these things under. Well, all right. Well, Brandon Gomes, if he has the connection to Andrew Friedman, you know, Heim and Andrew Friedman have been talking. You know, if Heim Bloom wants a job, he probably could call Andrew Friedman tonight and have a job tomorrow morning. James Click coming to the Red Sox would be like if Dave called you and was like, hey, do you want Section 10? Seriously. And of course, I'd say fucking no. Right. Like, because I'd be crossing the guy who gave me the opportunity. Yeah. Gave you the opportunity and you're taking over what I built. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. That's so disrespectful. You know? Yeah. And like you could say about Click, like, you know, Click's won a fucking World Series ring. Like he has things on his resume. He's not hurting for job opportunities. He's going to get one. It's just a matter of time for him. Yeah. So there are there are actual human factors here beyond just like, oh, the Red Sox. Nah, but no. But what we're saying here, this is where it comes into effect. How you burnt Dave Dombrowski, how people think you burnt Bloom. They're costing you in your search. Like that's where the punishment and the end result of all this comes from. You know, John Daniels. Jesus, man, if you got something lined up, let me know. I, I'd say the same for Michael Hill, even though I put him in the same category as Neil Huntington. Don't want Michael Hill either. Those are two guys. You can argue Emil Sade. He was here like Hazen. Does he know what's going on in this organization? And it's like, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Just just fucking give Eddie the keys and let's roll. Let's fucking roll with Eddie. By the way, we we promised the people Will Fleming and didn't deliver. Did you try or did you forget? Uh, both. I did try. He said he said he could have done it, but it was like he could have done it at 730 and it, it would have ran into the ALCS game tonight. That's fair. So either I we do it on that. like an off night. We find a day that it works earlier. But I couldn't have done I couldn't have done 730. 
I think the people understand the will interview means as much as it is. If we were rushing it and going through it, they'd be pissed at you and us. Deservedly so. Of course. What else is you going wanna, on? Do you want to talk about the Juan Soto thing that Twitter was going crazy about? I know we did a little Juan Soto. Talk I feel I feel like more people went, went nuts about us talking about it than the fucking Jim Bowden trade proposal. I think like us just being like, yeah, like I think like I would I would do anything for Juan Soto. But then Jim Bowden throwing out a fucking <laughs> article with this bullshit trade proposal and then putting the Cleveland Guardians <laughs> as a potential landing spot. All that did was make me feel like, well, now it's not happening. No, you know, the trade as well. Like this was list not... is bullshit. Who was the number one team? Wasn't it the Yankees? Yeah, the Yankees. Red Sox were two. And then what wasn't someone saying that the Yankees have a have a better farm system? They're they're better equipped to acquire Juan Soto in a trade than the Red Sox are? Yes, because they have more <laughs> top one hundred prospects at the moment. Oh my god. It's not gonna take a million top one. It's one it's a one it's one year of Juan Soto. With him making, you know, thirty million, like yeah. like, like right around there. Yeah. Uh, the proposal he put, which I don't think gets it done. You probably need to do a little bit more than it's this. Like Miguel Blaze. Uh, Verdugo, Verdugo, Blaze, Hauk, and Luis Perales, who is technically still the highest pitching prospect in the system. Seven on Sox prospects. And, you know, you look at Miguel Blaze, the stock is down somewhat coming off a year where he only played 31 games with a shoulder injury. Luis Perales, I wouldn't call it a, a year he went backwards, but he didn't go forward, if that's the best way to put it. Um, and then you got Tanner Houck, rough year for him. Verdugo, rough year for him, but he's on the way out. I th- I think you're going to probably have to give up a little bit more than that to get it done. I don't um, know. That seems that for one year of a guy. I mean, maybe maybe another team goes out there and and makes a that's a what it's going to be rash offer. But I think it's fair ish. I, I think. You would start here and you likely got to ante it up. I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees, who, let's be real, the last two or three weeks, everyone's just absolutely laughing at them over never calling Bryce Harper. I wonder if they look at this Juan Soto situation and say, this is a chance to kind of make right on that. Like we can bring in a generational you player now. You think they're going to have a billion dollars worth of contracts in their outfield? No, it's going to be hard to do between Stan and then they got Garrett Cole as they're well, right? Stuck with Stanton. But if they're in the position of panicking and saying, dude, like we have completely gone through our organization. We're trying to change our philosophies. And did they get a little crazy? Rodon. Rodon looks horrendous. They've got a lot of bad contracts. Maybe they panic because they didn't make the playoffs and they do something like that. But it would be even funnier if they traded for Juan Soto. And then he was like, yeah, I actually don't want to sign here. So. And that's the other half of it. It's like, you do really want to try to get this deal done. But the way I frame it, this is the Mookie situation. This is really it, where the Dodgers, they felt like they built up their farm system. They stayed under the luxury tax. They had waited all these years for the perfect star in their eyes. So if it's the Mookie situation, look at the fuck. Look at what it costs to acquire Mookie for one year. Right. Obviously, with David Price's contract is a major part of that as well. Sure. Uh, so then you know, take 16 on million. Jake Cronenworth. I like fuck. that. Yeah, I, I'm into Jake Cronenworth. Yeah. Um, Need a second baseman. Versatility, too. You know, and you can move him around. It's an awful contract, but if that gets you Mookie, and if you just do the reverse Mookie, you take on a bad contract, you don't have to give up as much. 
You pay Juan Soto the second he walks through the door. Obviously, he wants to play for the Red Sox for the rest of his life. You've all seen the video that Catherine Veritek tweeted um, of, uh, oh, by the way, uh, there is, uh, I think it's Pedro's charity event is coming up. I think I think uh, old Juan Soto might be there again. I'm pretty sure that's what that video is from. It's from. OK, so that was like last year or yeah, years yeah, yeah. prior. I think I, it might have been from Pedro's charity event. I think that was a little bit of a misunderstanding or people didn't understand because, you know, Catherine posts the video because everyone's talking about Soto from the podcast, from the article. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, holy fuck, what was this going on last night or something like that? Yeah, no, no, um, no. Yeah, that was I'm I'm 80 percent sure that was from Pedro's charity event last offseason. Yeah. So, like, I, I look at Soto and that's where you play the game. And if it's not the Yankees. Are the Dodgers someone who sit who sits there and say, "Hey, we we want to go"? I don't know. They want Shohei Otani. Does whoever miss out or whoever misses out on Shohei Otani say, "Well, we're going to pivot there"? You know, we want to hand out a mega contract. Do the Mets say, "Hey, we'll go that route"? Those are the people you're playing with. You don't got to worry about anyone that isn't a major market team because they're not going to be able to take thirty million dollars worth of salary along with the prospect capital. It's a very select pool. And I don't think that so that the the Jake Cronenworth component to this deal is what takes the Yankees out of it. There's no fucking way that they would pay Juan Soto, take on Cronenworth and have the Stanton, Rodon, Cole and Judge contracts. There's no fucking way. There's no way. Like, that's how you keep Soto from going to the Yankees is saying Cronenworth, come on down. And maybe that's where you do find it in the middle. I do think it would be very funny if we look at all this and, you know, Xander ended up going there, ends up being one of the big contracts. Like, we can't make this Soto thing work. And he ends up coming here because of that. How beautiful would that be? Soto? Um, yes. If they look at it and say, we can't fit it because Soto got what? 15 years, 440 from the Nationals. That was the offer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's where you're probably starting. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know because in I think- that ballpark. Maybe I I think it was kind of like similar to like the Bryce Harper, like we're making it look like we're interested, but we're really not because it was like de- all deferred money and no opt outs or whatever. I don't know. But 400 is the the conversation, right? He's going to get 400. Would you let's just say hypothetically, this is completely hypothetical. Would you to to sweeten the pot here? Would you pay half of Xander's deal in a Juan Soto trade to get to bring? Oh my God. Imagine if you traded for <laughs> Xander back and got Juan Soto. Would you do it? Did we get it for half? Yeah. It was what, 280? So you get it down to what, like 140 and actually what you're paying? Yeah, 140. But I mean, like you're paying him until he's 57 years old. Yeah. Ugh, that's a tough one. I, I wouldn't want that contract on the books unless you're eating a lot. I mean, if, um, if you're going to, if you're going to take on a bad contract, yeah, you would, you would want Bogarts to Cronenworth, no? Oh yeah, I, I definitely would say that, especially where Cronenworth is at. Like, say what you want about Xander, he was gone for most of the summer, but by the end of the year, the numbers were pretty solid. It was and like his wrist four and was half fucking war. hurt, and and the whole thing about oh, like the Padres are going to move him to first base now. It's like yeah, they have like a t- they have a really good shortstop prospect. It's not. It was more about the shortstop prospect than it was about Xander's defense because. He was only one year removed from a really good defensive year in his last year with the Red Sox. Well, that's where I think people get a little confused. Like, yeah, obviously the hitting stats aren't what we remember of peak Xander. But defensively, it, it was a good year for him. It wasn't a bad year. No. Uh, outs above average. Yeah, he was 82nd percentile outs above average. Like <laughs> for Xander Bogarts, that's incredible. 
Uh, we know what the range is what the range is, but he's going to make the routine plays. And Carlos Feblis, even though he got fired, a lot of credit to him. Bogarts gives credit Justice to him as well for, for helping with the first Justice step. for Carlos. Eh, I'm good. Justice uh, for Carlos. No, thank you. You're a piece uh, of shit. You're a piece uh, of shit. Had to go. You're a piece of shit. We need fresh blood. We, we need messages to get through to people. I don't. I don't want to see Rafael Devers. He needs a fresh voice, kind of getting him at third base. No. Also, not being able to get Kike on track, not great either. Oh, he's just not an infielder. He gets by. It's still not the prettiest thing, but man, to be as bad as he was was a different level. Um, but yeah, if you're talking Xander Bogarts, if if I had to pick, I guess the length of that deal is the scary part. But if you're paying half of it, it's a conversation. We'll see, Xander. Do you want to retire a little early? Maybe we can That's figure this it. thing out a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, are it, you really going to be playing at 42, Xander? Let's be no. real. No, he's I'd, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's oh. <laughs> It would be such a bad like look though against time to like be like, hey, we're gonna get one, so and we're bringing Xander back here. Yeah. How's that taste? Uh, how many, how many years was it? Eleven. Yeah, it's eleven, right? Two eighty. So, wow, this is too much fucking math for me. Yeah, eleven years, two hundred eighty yeah. million. So yeah, you you want me to pay one hundred forty million of it? Sure. We'll send Xander out a couple years early at the end. So, yeah, you would be. You would basically be like, it would be like twelve and a half million for Xander. Oh, my God. But that's so gross. Like thinking about him post 35. Like, what is he going to give you? It doesn't matter. Twelve and a half million a year. Yeah. At that point, that's basically chump change. Yeah, it would just. I don't know. I don't know. If you're you're paying him twelve and a half million a year when he's thirty six. That's like the modern equivalent of like three million dollars for a player. Yeah, you can just release him if you want. <laughs> yeah, for, at that point for that money. Yeah, but like figure out what you're gonna do with him in a year. It's like what the what are you like? Do you tell Devers to go DH and you make Xander your third baseman? You say no. Rafi, we're gonna make you DH. No, we're gonna put Xander at third, Story at second, Marcel Meyer at short. Xander, Xander was hurt this year. You, If Xander has a full offseason of just getting healthy and getting his body right, you just you put Story back at second, you put Xander at short, you have Devers at third. And oh, no. Makes, Xander would have to understand that he's not makes, going back to shortstop. Nope, he is. And then it would make Devers better defensively at third. It would. Yes, it would. I don't disagree. I think Story okay. gives the same effect, though. He doesn't. Um... Who's a better defender at shortstop, Story or Bogart? Story. But okay. I think the confidence is different within within Devers with Xander there. And then you have I Kath think Devers, first. as Cora said, much better once Story got back. Okay. But he'd be even better with Xander there. Fan fiction. And you have Juan Soto and left. Where's Yoshida? DH? I, yeah. In your fantasy, <laughs> there's room at DH. I froze. What'd you say? In your fantasy, there's room at DH. This isn't a fantasy. <laughs> this reality? Yeah. This, this is, is this is this is my inter- like the Red Sox are watching this right now. This is my interview for GM. <laughs> We're gonna take, but where it doesn't make sense is if they got under the Xander Bogart's contract, they're gonna say fuck it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, 
now we could pay someone like Juan Soto. You're opening us up, but you're giving away what you could give money to. Yeah. They need to get under. But I don't want to dream about this anymore. It's making me sick. Yoshida at DH. <laughs> Who's in right? <laughs> at this point, let's go get Cody Bellinger. Fuck Cody, it. Cody Bellinger's in right. Who's playing center? Duran? Uh, yeah, we'll let Duran and Raphael fight it out. Okay. Willier can get in on it. Yeah. We're not. No. What do you mean? <laughs> That's not what's going to happen. Probably not. No, it's probably not going to happen. But it, it you're would a be, sick man. Well, it'd be nice. In a fantasy land, Xander coming back. That would be crazy. Yeah. That would be crazy. He would it be would. so happy. He would be like, thank fucking God you saved me from this hellhole. But like, yeah, him and Devers, like the first time they'd kind of come around each other and see each other again. Oh, my God. That would be special. Mm-hmm. But things happen. It's moved on. And there's a path of being successful. You should be calling on Juan Soto. I think you should be calling on Fernando Tatis Jr. Hector Gomez had the report saying, you know, he really likes San Diego, Juan Soto. And as long as he gets a reasonable offer, he'll stay. That's what Hector Gomez said. He said that about Soto? Yes. So he likes San Diego. Well, if they say, all right, we're going to give the money to him, then you look at Fernando Tatis Jr. I you think know who, that's you know a know where he likes more, though? Where? Boston. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Big Boston guy? Loves Pedro. Loves Poppy. Poppy. Tech. Dominicana. He'd be playing I think left field, right? Well. He'd be looking at Rafael Devers' Dominican ass at third base from left field. <laughs> it would be special. It says everything when we talk about what the Red Sox need in terms of defense and a right-handed bat. A guy like Juan Soto with that talent, it clears all that. It's like Otani in a lot of ways. I've kind of just stopped thinking about Otani. I think everyone has because of the front office search. I mean, that hasn't stopped me from thinking about Juan Soto. That is interesting when you frame it like that. But I wonder if that's just because we're getting right. Like, we haven't got a fresh Otani report. I think similar to what it is, everyone was looking for, like, the shiny thing, right? Like, oh, you know, what can we write about when everything's dead? Mm. Otani, Red Sox, boom, fireworks, right? Yeah. Now that there's stuff going on, people are like, all right, well, on to the next. We don't need the random executive who's anonymous saying, oh, I think he likes New Balance a lot. After watching this postseason, which of the two Aaron Nola, Jordan Montgomery, would you rather give a big money contract to? <laughs> That's honestly one of the hardest questions you've ever asked me. I'll be consistent here. Yeah. Um, I still think I lean Aaron Nola because I think there's a little more upside and there's more track record there. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have them in the same tier going into this playoffs. I think if you told me you look at them and value them in similar lights, I'd have a hard time fighting you on that. Yeah, I do lean Nola a little bit, though. He's been so incredible, like 096 ERA and four starts. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, like Nola has been a guy that I picked for Cy Young going into multiple seasons. Yeah. And Montgomery's having a great year. He's having a great postseason, but he's never been someone that I've thought about in the Cy Young conversation before. Like Nola is just a different pedigree to me. Uh, that's it. We know Nola can hit the number one ceiling. Like mm-hmm. he can truly be an ace when, you know, outside of this year, go back a year ago, ace stats across the board. Uh, you can't really fight it. I believe he was top five in Cy Young voting. 
But Jordan Montgomery does offer that kind of, you know, it's just like old school bulldog. Like, I'm going to go out there. My stuff doesn't wow anyone. You're not going to think I'm going nuts out here with what I'm throwing. Like, you watch some of the shit Aaron Nola throws, the movement on it. You're like, damn, that, that's some video game stuff. Montgomery's kind of your classic lefty that just he's going to hit the strike zone a fuck ton, not put a lot of guys on base, 1.7 walks per nine, and come after me. I don't fear shit. John uh, Lackey vibes when I watch him. Jake, out of all the potential names linked to the Red Sox via trade or free agency, who's the one that makes you most excited? Fuck. I mean, we talked about Otani like completely changing the entire landscape of like Boston. Like the amount of attention nationally, internationally would be amazing to experience. I still want that. Juan Soto seems like an awesome fit, like loves everything about Boston, apparently. Um, but yeah, I mean, Yamamoto, Yamamoto or Nola, um, I feel like just would make huge impacts. Obviously, pitching is a concern and watching what Nola has done to like the Rays and the Braves, like two of the best teams in the league all year during the playoffs, like that's been exciting to watch too. So, I mean... Ideally, we get all of them. So that'd be great. <laughs> what scares me watching uh, it's Montgomery and Nola to some degree, like how much those guys mean to those teams. Do they look at them, especially if the Phillies won the World Series? Are we saying, all right, well, he's going to get a Chris Sale extension. Like, like that's what it's going to be. The going to say money on the fucking table. Like we want it. Everything's beautiful. You stay with us. Montgomery and the Rangers like Jacob DeGrom will be back next year, clearly. But like, hey. We have a lot of older guys. You're kind of the fresh blood into this. Can we expect another year of Nate Aldi doing this? We want you back. And we're going bananas. We're already spending the money. What's another contract at that point? Well, speaking of just spending the money, would you rather spend $200 million on Aaron Nola, a proven commodity in the big leagues, or $250 million on Yamamoto, someone that you don't know uh, what they look like against big league hitters? I would want both, uh, and a per- like seriously, I, I'm not joking. Like I think you really should look at both of them because I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see Ace Nola for 30 starts again, but yeah. I do believe you're going to get a, at least a three-five in an innings eater. I look at Yamamoto and I say that's a young, hopeful front of the rotation guy. I don't know if you saw Yoshida; he's hanging out over there watching them in the playoffs. Yamamoto didn't have the greatest start, seven innings, five runs, but Yoshida's out there. He's with this boy, so. Maybe the recruiting uh, pitch starts now. If I had to pick, though, I'd go Yamamoto. Yoshida's out there being like, please save me from this fucking hellhole in Boston. <laughs> His message was really sweet on IG, thanking Red Sox fans. Uh, he, he's a sweet guy. He Just seems like very wholesome. Best fans in the world. Someone told me, you know, there was more translation that didn't flip with Instagram, but he was just talking about beefing up and getting stronger so he doesn't wear down the next time. And I can respect a guy who's willing to say, hey, this is where things went wrong. Watch what I'm going to do. And he was like, I didn't realize how important my family was to me. You know, the structure, not having that as I was adjusting over here. Goes to show all the other variables that come into play. But let me flip it on you, Jared. Yamamoto or Nola? Uh, I mean, if both is an option, I'm still saying both. But if I have to pick one... um. I think I'd probably go Yamamoto because of the age. I think Nola is a very attractive option because, I mean, let's face it, 
no one besides fucking Nick Pavetta was able to take the ball for the whole year. Like you lost everyone at some point, and Nola is just a nuts on the table, give me the ball, and I'm gonna run with it type guy, which you need those guys. And, and I, I want think Nola. That's where you can probably flip it the other way and say, a lot of miles on those arm on that arm. Do you believe Nola can sustain? I don't know. I think he's gonna throw 200 innings for the rest of his career. Even if the second half, if he turns into John Lackey, where it's like three five to three eight, and you're out there every day and you get Yamamoto too, you feel great. Yeah. Like I never have to think about it. You know, Jordan Montgomery, in terms of being an innings eater, yeah, he's really gotten the job done the last few years. You know, last year he dealt with injuries, but or actually not really. You go back, oh no, yeah, 188 last year, or 188 this year, 178 last year, 157 the year before. He's getting there. It's not Aaron Nola quality. But no. I think if you get Yamamoto and you told me, all right, well, Jordan Montgomery is going to make less than Nola. Nola was looking for an eight-year deal entering the year. I don't think he's going to get that. Mm-mm. I think you're talking somewhere in the Carlos Rodon, Kevin Gosman. It could be like area. six the couple option years. Yeah, maybe something like that. Like, you know, you're right between Rodon and Gosman. Whatever the middle of that is, I'd probably consider that's likely where, or where Nola is going to land. If you told me you can get Montgomery for a little less commitment because there's not as much track record, I'm not going to sit here and cry over it. I'd still be happy. But expecting them, I don't know. I think Nola's stock is climbing back to where it was before a very mediocre year. Both of those guys are making themselves 50 million plus extra. Easy. Easy. Just from this postseason. Just from a, a, a literal few days of work. Um. But I do have one thing I want to ask you about the playoffs. Ask me something about the playoffs. Watching Nate, what is your feelings? Uh, Do you get upset? Is it like looking back? Because I won't lie. While I am put on the Hein Bloom side a lot, mm -hmm. I don't give him an excuse for him not being here this past year. I'm not part of that clique. Okay, well, I will answer that question after we talk about Dollar Shave Club's uh, member favorite ball spray. Because it's back. I actually have four cans. My four nuts be cans of ball spray. It's back and it's better than ever. Do you ever feel like you're in a 90s infomercial? You're between work, fun, kids, and other obligations, and your schedule is jam-packed, and you wish you had an easy on-the-go deodorant for down there so you're not dealing with discomfort or odor? Let's face it. Balls get sweaty, Tyler. Very. They get itchy. They chafe. Drippy. You shouldn't have to suck it up. Foul balls get sweaty. Don't take an L below the belt. You guys like sports analogies? Well, here's one. Stop foul balls like the ones in your shorts with ball spray. Dollar Shave Club's ball spray? It's like deodorant for your balls. Made for men who don't want to deal with the discomfort of sweat and stink below the belt. It doesn't prevent sweat, I must add. But it can help once it shows up. And it will show up, as you all know. It's formulated to absorb moisture, reduce chafing, and protect against odor. Complete with a minty, tingle finish to let you know that you're fresh. The precision sprayer makes application easy at any angle and helps your boys stay fresh and dry. Formulated without ball-busting ingredients, 
like tal talc t-a-l-c what's that talc 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 or, or zinc and is non-irritating it's suitable for your family jewels get a fresh pair with ball spray from dollar shave club wow um i actually have like i said four cans and uh i was i was curious like you know i want to see what my balls smell like after i let it rip with this first my honest review wasn't expecting how cold it was like it Ooh. you spray your balls and you're like whoa like I, I i honestly i recommend starting your day with it well i i don't mean to be weird here um mm -hmm. have you ever got like uh toothpaste on like your scrotum or anything like that how the fuck <laughs> how the fuck D don't judge me just let, let let's just be real maybe Tyler, did you go through all it right, counter counter question how the fuck do you get toothpaste on your balls jake you ever get any kind of toothpaste on your balls i don't brush my balls with toothpaste <laughs> all right <laughs> listen i'm not <laughs> trying to be you know listen all I'm saying is there's been times where, you know, you're holding your toothbrush or something kind of scrapes or whatever uh, it may be. I brush my teeth naked. That's one of the things. Why I do. do you do that? I like to do it before I get in the shower. That's kind you of just my schedule. You wake up. You wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth and then immediately get in the shower. Yeah. When I'm like going to work, I get in the bathroom, uh -huh. you know, I brush my teeth. I turn the yeah. shower water on. Usually by the time I'm done brushing, the water is warm. My balls don't smell. But you like they probably don't. Yeah, yeah, no, like they just they just exist. But I mean, you can make them smell good, I guess. That's no, I, I'd say you know my balls can be pungent after the wrong summer day. Well, you're um, disgusting, uh, Jake. Jake, your balls have smelled before. Not anymore with Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> Prior, this is why uh, this is why we have this going on here. Right, right, right. But right, right. I have sprinkled accidentally toothpaste or reminiscence like you know you're spitting it out uh and it's landed and it's like how your mouth feels when you chew gum or after you brush your teeth it's like that kind of five uh what is it five gum you know like that feeling that's kind of mm -hmm. how i would describe it it's not good it's kind of uncomfortable that's weird i bet someone's accidentally done it i'm not rubbing it on my balls to get off <laughs> no i would i would certainly hope not but it's just a weird like chill Okay. I feel judged. Yeah, well, you should feel that way because you are being judged. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nate Evaldi. Nate Evaldi. Speaking of uh, big old balls, Nathan Evaldi in the postseason. Um, do I feel any type of way when I watch? No. No. He was always a mercenary. It's not like it's not like I felt a certain way watching John Lester with the Cubs for sure. Like that was a was an experience where it's like, man, like. Like that, it never should have played out like that. Because it wasn't like he, like Xander Bogarts going to the Padres was like 
we were never going to give him that deal. Could you have approached him in spring training the year before and gotten a deal done? Yes, you could have done that. It's a revisionist history. But once it got to free agency, the Red Sox were never going to give him $280 million over 11 years. That was just never going to happen. Uh, but when John Lester was out there, he got a very reasonable deal. Like you lowballed him and he got a very reasonable deal to go be a member of the Chicago Cubs. And then he went on to win a world series with that team first in 108 years. So it wasn't just that he left. It wasn't just that he had success somewhere else. It wasn't just that he won a world series. It's just that he won one of the most, if not the most important championship in all of sports history. Um, Right next to 2004. But when I'm watching Nathan Avaldi, I don't feel any type of way about it. I am happy for him. I still get excited to watch him pitch. I still get happy for his success. But I don't sit there thinking like, man, like he should still be in Boston. Because if he wanted to be, he could have been. We already have gone over this. I guess where like sometimes I get a little bit upset over it and, you know, just to relive the history. I know everyone's been kind of doing it. The Red Sox had an offer on the table. It was better than the offers that were out there. He ended up saying, well, I think my market is going to explode. Let's go look around. He goes, looks around, realizes, oh, fuck, the Red Sox did have the best offer out there. He comes back. They say, listen, we've spent on Kenley, Yoshida, Chris Martin. Martin. We're not going over the luxury tax anymore either. Back then, that was a real conversation point, right? We didn't know how things were going to play with Xander. Uh, there was a fair chance we had more money to give out. We didn't in the end. I guess where sometimes I sit there and I just do the math. It's like, all right, $10 million for Corey Kluber. You had $5 million up against the cap that you didn't use at the end of the year. That's $15 million. Joely Rodriguez, how much was that? Right? <laughs> like a couple million dollars, two, three million. Was there a way to fit him into this equation? I still think... Do I think it dramatically changes their year? Probably not. No. In all reality, you still miss. But I love Nate a lot. I do still sometimes wish he was here. But you also got the classic Nate of Aldi this past year where you know he misses month plus because of elbow problems and something mm-hmm. going on. But this is what you pay him for. He shows up in the playoffs and that's what the guy does. I miss him. It's, not, it's definitely not a situation of like, oh, it was time to move on. But he was a mercenary for us. Like they were multiple stops. Like I'm not going to sit here. That's why I was talking about John Lester. I'm not going to sit here and act like he was some homegrown. Like, oh man, should have been a Red Sox forever. Like, no, no it's not that far. No, no. So like, I, do I think there was a way to make it work still even when he came back? I do think there was a way. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree with that. But wish he was here. Doesn't, doesn't really pain me anymore that he's not. Because I think I think if like the Red Sox were in a position like that, where they were on the precipice of making the postseason and then they didn't, like if they were the Mariners, be like, fuck, if we had Nate, the fuck, the Red Sox were not in a position to, they were not a Nathan Evaldi away from the postseason. It's interesting. So, like, if you go back to the trade deadline and let's just say it was native all that you got, right? Like, let's play fantasy land. People say Jordan Montgomery. Maybe it serves a pretty similar purpose. Do you think they would have made the playoffs if that was the case or no? No. Yeah, I think they end up missing out at the very end as well. I do think it's a lot closer, though. I think I bet High Bloom's still here. Maybe if they got eliminated the last week, I bet Heim's still here. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, I think yeah, maybe. Unless but that's not reality. It, yeah, I think like the whole Heim thing, going back to that conversation, I think it was more they didn't like he lost his job more so because they didn't like the decision making process versus what the actual results were. Yeah, I, I think in when you go to that process, a big part of it is how the deadline was. But if you had shown the aggressiveness, maybe in the offseason a little bit more, pulling something like that off or at the deadline, maybe they look at it and say, all right, well, that was the aggressiveness we were looking for. Someone who was willing to put it on the table a little bit more. Yeah, it wasn't happen. It wasn't uh, oh, another last place finish. You're fired. It was. Do we think that this is the, this is the individual who can lead this organization moving forward? No. OK. That's what it was. I don't think they expected the search to go this way, though. I thought I think they thought it was going to be a little bit smoother for them. I think that's why Sam Kennedy was so offended when he got asked at the end of the year. It's also it's the World Series isn't even over yet. Like, I understand you want to be locked and loaded, ready to go. Once the offseason starts, you want to then be having real conversations and narrowing it down and making your selection like a like day one of the offseason. You should be ready to go. Um, but there's there's still time. You got two weeks. I mean, get it done. You have to think like Eddie is the acting general manager right now. Anyway, it, it would just be so seamless, right? Like you, you don't have to overthink it and you look at the other candidates. There's just no one you sit there and you're like, damn, I'm going to be really mad if it's not them. Yeah, that's just what it is. And I look at Eddie and do I think Eddie's someone who has you know no warts or anything? No, he has his own warts. He's never been the number one guy. That is reality. But what are his warts compared to some of the other names here? He's at least on the same tier or a leg up because of that relationship with Cora. Yeah. And he knows the system inside and out. Has a relationship with the players and the members of the front office. So it's not like the Red Sox are a ship with no captain right now. I feel like that's the perception. It's like, oh, my God, they are just a there's no one at the helm. Like, no, it's the same people were at the helm when Dombrowski got fired. Well, why do you think? Why do you think Caleb Ort is with the Seattle Mariners right now? <laughs> you think like a, a computer made that decision? No, a human being with their two eyes was like, this guy sucks. And they got him out of here. So, so the only name we're putting in this conversation, no offense to Paul Taboni, but my group and we're not. It seems like more of that's internally trying to figure out what you have. Um, Neil Huntington is really the only name that we're out on. <laughs> just to be watching him to be him a guy too. Um, but that's the guy we're out on. Yeah. I think we have Eddie in the number one. Kim Ang. Kim Ang. You would put them in the same tier? 1A, 1B. Yeah. I, I think that's a good way to put it. And I'd put Levine Honestly, and maybe not even 1A, 1B. I think it would be, I would be it would, like Kim would be a solid two just because of the experience that Eddie has in the organization and the relationship with Cora. I don't know. I don't know what the relationship, if there is one at all, between Alex and Kim. Uh, there is one. There uh, is one. Going back to the Dodgers when she was an assistant GM. Okay. Uh, apparently, Cora thinks very highly of her. That's okay. all that's out there. Okay. I don't know if they were. All right, so I'm back you know, to 1A, 1B. Um, but, you know, there is something to Eddie being in the organization. We know Breslow has a relationship to some degree with Cora as well. Mm-hmm. So th- there's that. Thad Levine. I don't know if there's anything there. Uh, I can't trust at least, someone named Thad. You don't like, imagine tweeting instead of Heim Thad. No, nah, I don't think I can. No, <laughs> I don't think I can do that. 
I want to know why he's gotten cold feet so many times. Thad? Yeah. I want to know how many times he's been married. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, look that up. Has he's been married six times. It's like, oh, guy just can't commit. Claudette. That's his wife, Claudette. Oh, no. Yeah, spouse. That's what that means. How long have they been married? I don't think we have a date. Does he have a Wikipedia page? Yeah, but it's not. It mentions the marriage, but not when they got married. Oh, that's a red flag. Does he have an Instagram? See if he has a picture where it's like, oh, happy 15 years of marriage. He played youth soccer with Paul DePodesto. Isn't that a money ball? Jonah Hill. Yeah, it is, right? Mm hmm. You kind of look like him. What? Multiple people have said that to me. You think that's who I'd be in a movie? I think Jonah Hill would play you in a movie. Yeah, that'd be that would be the perfect casting. I'd want Jonah Hill to play me. Yeah, but he's funny. Either him or Glenn from The Walking Dead. He's Asian, but I think he'd play a good version of me. What? I just think he's a great actor. He you was able to <laughs> nothing alike. Well, it's not always about looks. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what casting is. Can you play the role or not? No, 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 no. What I think James Gandolfini should have played gonna... me if he was still alive. You think you think he's just going to sit in the chair for like six hours of makeup every day? It's a fat suit. And some hair, a beard. It would be too much. You look nothing alike. Yeah. Who played John Henry in Moneyball? That guy cracks me up every time. The Rock. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. Yes. You're on drugs. You don't remember that? <laughs> no. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a rare copy? Uh no. But it was The Rock. Arliss Howard. Hmm. I would pay money for another movie with John Henry in it to see someone act him out. Because it's not quite the voice, right? But the mannerisms and everything as he talks to Brad Pitt, a.k.a. Billy Bean, uh -huh. one of the best scenes in movie history. I think a John Henry movie would be fascinating. Like He's a fascinating character, but from hero to villain, you would just never know because he's not open. Did you ever read the book Feeding the Monster? Yes. Or no, no, no. I haven't read that one. I read, read I've read Homegrown. Read Feeding the Monster. That covers like Theo Epstein era, right? Yes. I need to go back. You will come back from reading that book and have a whole new perspective on John Henry. In a good way or a bad way? A good way. Well, it, it's not good or bad. You'll just be like, he seems very fascinating, intriguing person. Like right now, you probably think that he's just like kind of bland, whatever. No, I no see him as like, you know, you don't become a billionaire out of fucking luck. Number one, yeah. you know, everything with Miami. But I look at him as someone who's leans analytical, did care a lot about winning a championship here, and now is on to the chapter of his life where business probably doesn't come first. Um, That's your homework assignment. I can do some reading. I've been doing a lot of reading lately. I've read that book like four times. Who's it written by? Seth Mnookin. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I've read Homegrown three or four times at this point, so I bet I'd go right into it. Fucking nerd. I love it. I did see Alex Spear, I think, in real life. What? 
I was at the Dedham uh, Pride or not Pride uh, Dedham Day Parade Flag Day. I don't know. Over the summer, and there was a guy that looked exactly like Alex Spear, and I believe okay. he lives in that area. Okay. Um, he does book signings over there a lot. Okay. And I was like Alex, and then like I like held it back as it started coming out because I didn't want to be weird. See, your voice cracked. Yeah, and he I, he was with a child, and I feel like you should not go up to people when they have a kid with them. Why not? It's like a respect. It's like the mafia. You don't take someone out when they're with their family. I guess. I mean, it's just it's just Alex Spear with his kid. I know, but that's a that's a big deal. You never met Alex? No. Oh, he's great. I bet. Yeah, he's Stat great. Masterson. He like I just want to hear him spit baseball stuff at me. I don't know that like anytime that I've talked to Alex, I mean he's very, very polite and but he's he's witty and he's very he's he's very funny. People wouldn't know that. People probably think that he's just like a stat nerd that's just like a like a robot, but he's actually very funny too. His interviews when he's on Sox Prospects once a year on their pod and Baseball America are must listens every time. Because he actually, say what you will, people probably think he only thinks about analytics and different stuff like that. It's not the case. He actually blends old school and new school together very well. We should get him on the pod. He's never been on. I've asked him. I've asked him before, but I, I, I know that he has certain days where it's like zero tolerance for work, social media, phone. Like He's just like, nope, today is a family day. And I respect that very much about him. The amount of research that went into the piece he put out two days ago of every candidate and then speculating people who could, you know, be on the outside, possibly getting brought in by far the deepest thing we've gotten all offseason, a resource to Red Sox fans everywhere right now. Yeah. And my next opponent in the, the bracket. That's a tough one. It's a tough draw. Yeah, it would be for most people. I agree. Do you know who I'm going up against? Um, Coley has a really good one too. Are you going up against Jemai? I am. You that's are? a tough. That's a tough pull. Jemai is so likable. He's. Been, I know. It's you don't have going for you. Jemai has been quite the Cinderella story in this uh, this tournament. You don't think I'm likable? No. I'm adorable. <sighs> you're. Yeah. You're right. You're. Yeah. You're likable. Dickhead. I think Jake, dickhead. Jake makes you likable. Jake makes me likable? Mm-hmm. Why? Just by being associated with him. So Jake's the reason I'm where I am. I think Jake is the reason why you have an ounce of popularity. Yeah. Thank you, Jake. No problem, man. <laughs> He'll take my spot. I'll get knocked out first round against Jake next year. I mean, I'm telling you right now. Jake is winning this tournament next year. I, I believe you. I don't doubt it. I think Coley's going up against Middlebrooks. Yeah, I mean, like, it's... That's a tough one. No. Coley, you don't think so? No. I think, like, I think for in terms of, like, Twitter, Coley, Coley probably wins that one. Like, Coley's probably going to go uncontested until I don't even know. Who would he face if, if he wins? The winner of last year, you knocked him out, right? Barely. It was like 51% to 49%. Oh, yeah. So maybe that might be a really tough order here. 
Ed Hand has it on his page. Just a reminder, he is the one who does this every single offseason. Ed Hand 89 is his pinned tweet. Uh, I believe he would go up against Merloni or Stats. That's Ooh, a hell of a matchup. Yeah, that's a that's a burner. Right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Merloni wins it. Who do I get? Wait, you think he wins what? I think he pulls out against Stats. Probably, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. Jared wins. Who do I? Who do I face if I win? I think it's me. (laughs) 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 Respect me a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, What happened to Bullet? He died. Yeah, that's gonna be a bloodbath. I hope. I hope it's like ninety-seven to three. Why? Why would you do that? Because you need to learn a lesson. What's the lesson? You need to humble me. I need to humble you. You've had a very successful year. I think you've had you've had a lot of uh, growth this year, but you need to you need to be shown who your tribal chief is. I will say to die. Acknowledge me. I won't need to retweet that poll to win it, but I <laughs> want to retweet it just to make a statement. Like I, I want that poll to have twenty six thousand votes, and like five of them are for you. You're cementing it now. Now everyone's just gonna definitely vote <laughs> you, even people who felt bad. Yeah. Um. But it does feel good to me if that's the way I go out here, because Jemai may knock me off. I'm not gonna act like he won't. Um. But if I die via your sword, at least that's an honorable way. Oh, to go. you're gonna die via my nuclear warhead. <laughs> it's Take not a out. sword. Bury yeah, me. No, I think I I love Jamai, but I think the power of the podcast is it runs too deep. I think I think uh, um, I think that people like me, you, Coley will last until we're up against each other. That's really it. I'm ready, and then Lou. Yeah, and then Lou. Lou Maybe Lou. next episode, uh, if the tournament hasn't finalized yet, we can have a campaign. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like next year. We're gonna get Jake in, and Jake is going to win. I agree. This is the people this love is, Jake more than anyone. WWE. This is the writers' meeting. We're telling you how we're gonna book Jake winning the title at WrestleMania next year. Like <laughs> Jake wins WrestleMania next year. I'm down. I Jake, hope you got I, my I vote. hope that I'm the one that gets to put him over. I would love to put over Jake at WrestleMania. I would I feel gladly, bad for anyone who runs into I would him. Gladly look up at the lights. For Jake to get the one, two, three. I don't even know who could upset Jake. Like if you get that kind of momentum going through the tournament, because there's tough people to go up against. What happens if he runs into like stats early? It doesn't matter. Like we we will campaign for Jake. The documentaries, they're only extending it now too. that little mini doc. You're on a lot of people's radar on top of what you've already been doing, Jake. Yeah, he has a whole year to build up the Jake army via mini docs plus the backing. I mean, I, I'm sure Coley will be in on it. Me, you, Coley pushing Jake to the, to the top. That's going to be a special day. Get on my back, Jake. Ride <laughs> me like a backpack. I'll bring you as far as I could go. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna be a special day. I'm excited. I don't want to. I don't want to go up against you now. Oh no! It's gonna be a bloodbath. I can't wait. I'm gonna drag you. I will kill every pet you've ever loved. That's gonna be. That's gonna be the easiest 
walk to a championship in any tournament I've ever been in. Just give me something like, oh, like, you know what? You're a respectable opponent. You're not. <laughs> you're like, you are fucking trash and you're going to eat shit. <laughs> you're going to learn who's your fucking daddy. Yeah. Papa, please. No. Spare me, Papa. Mm-mm. Not this year. <laughs> Next year is Jake. Well, yeah. Do I, because, do I get 2025? We'll think about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> what, what, it won't mean anything if Jake beats me in the finals next year, but you won the championship. What do you mean? The following year? Yeah. Jake needs, Jake needs to beat the champion in the championship. That would be you. So I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm talking 2025. Yeah, 25, we'll figure it out. That's a maybe. Okay. I'll think Thank about you. It. I promise. Yeah. Promise what? That I'll win. Maybe you'll withdraw from the tournament completely at that point. You're getting to the point where maybe you're a little too big for this tournament. <laughs> I mean, no. All I'm saying is, do we vote for God at the at election time? No. All right. I think what, what we need to do is we you need to plead your case for why you should be champion in 2025 right now no okay you have two years two years all right haiku yeah two years to figure out a way to convince the people why you should be the champion in two years i don't know what i'm going to do in the next two years but it'll be something it was important for me to win the inaugural one and then the second one I, I just I, now it's important for me to win the second one to hold that place for Jake in in 2024. I feel like the ugly stepchild. Well, where you're like, Jake is he's the what's the word? The, the prodigy. But yeah, there's a prodigal. Is that a word? No, maybe uh, he's the son. He's like the one. And then I'm there and you're like, kid, we don't even have a college fund for you. Like you're you're gonna work very hard and you're and gonna do your very best. Did you just call it a prodigal? <laughs> what is the word? Prodigy, I know that one, but there's like a word for it. Hold on. It's the prodigal son. Like that's the prodigal not how you son say it either. Yes, it is. Jake, is that true? I've never heard prodigal. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, no, prodigal. He yeah, said prodigal. Prodigal. Prodigy Wait. is a word. I know that one. Yeah, prodigy is a word. Yeah. Why don't it, you love me, Dad? Listen, go put out a video that makes three and a half million views. Wow, wow. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> that was mean. Go platinum. And we'll talk. How many platinum records do you have, son? Because Jake has three. Three platinum? Yeah, between TikTok and Twitter. You know what? End this podcast. I got some deep soul searching to do. I mean, am I motivating you or am I discouraging you? You're motivating me. Okay. Jake, watch the I'm going to drop a video tomorrow. That is the worst put together <laughs> video of all time. <laughs> Ooh. We can just get in a documentary off. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up doc off.
It's okay. Jake, I believe in you. I, be- I believe in Jake. Well, Jake's been selected. Was I just let in? No, you're like still, it's, still, it's still up for debate on whether or not we want you to go over at WrestleMania 2025. That's what the people want. That's what the people need. The Millican militia. That's what they're starving for. Okay. Well, they need to ha- have their voices be heard. This is the classic Daniel Bryan uh, Triple H authority storyline. Yes. Line. Yes. Wait, right? Yeah. I know my wrestling. Like Triple H, Triple H was the COO, the authority figure, and he was telling Daniel Bryan, like you're just you're just not fit to be champion. You're not good enough. And because he kept saying that, the fans were like, "Yes. Yes." Like they it was called the Yes movement because the fans were telling WWE wasn't telling the fans who the champion was. The fans were telling WWE Daniel Bryan is our guy and it forced Daniel Bryan into the main event and it forced WWE to make Daniel Bryan the champion at WrestleMania 30. How long was he champion? Uh, not long, but I think it was because he got hurt. Okay. Yeah, I think he got I hurt. I could be Daniel Bryan. That's what I'm, hey, that's what I'm trying to do here. Yes. I'm trying to, I'm trying to push you down so that the fans bring you up. You have to you have to look at the the fireworks at WrestleMania 2024 and see Jake on the top rope just holding the title up nice and high. He's the world champ and you got to be like, "Man, someday I wish that that would be me." And then if the fans truly want that, they can make it happen. That's the great thing about these tournaments. It's in the fans it's in the fans hands. That was deep. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in pain. Now you should be motivated. I am. I'm bleeding. Ha- hashtag but... Tyler 2025. <laughs> Giving me a whole other year to figure it out. <laughs> we need two seasons to get it on track. Yeah. All right. It could be worse. Could be. It's all right. There's another level to Tyler Milliken coming. You'll see. Who knows? Maybe some announcements in the coming weeks. Hmm. Maybe things I'm working on. Hmm. What are you working on? I, I, it's not ready to be revealed yet. You haven't have to even told listening. me? Nope. You haven't even told me what you're nope. working on. No. Big projects. Massive projects, some would say. That you won't tell me about. It's business. Wow. I'm sorry. How about hashtag Tyler 2020 never? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's slow it down. Let's not turn me into someone who's hated here. I want to know know what this project is. The unloved son has to find a way to eat. And I promise you, I'm going to eat. If anything's (laughs) going to happen, I'll go eat. I mean, well, yeah, we know. But like what? uh, what, Can I have a hint? Um, It involves just me. That's a good way to put it. Wow, Tyler's starting an OnlyFans. All right. Hey, hey. What? I'm not making any promises to anything I'm doing, but if you're interested, let me know. I personally am not, no. Uh, You're not who I'm looking for. Okay. I've heard from men that, you know, I'm very attractive to some. Yeah, I think they they might describe you as juicy. A bear? Yeah. You're a juicy bear. 
I'm furry. Yeah. Rawr. Rawr. I think we should end the podcast. I think we should stop. All right. No, I said we should stop. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. You actually asked me before we started, you're like, you think you got two hours in us? And I literally laughed. I was like, there's no fucking way. We worked through it. I think we did pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Jake, do you think it was a good show? thought it was the best we could do for what we got <laughs> yeah like we we put out a two-hour episode when the news of the week was like alex verdugo is nominated for a gold glove award and like 15 individuals turned down the red sox general manager uh, spot who else is doing it like this nobody that's all i'm saying nobody. you think verdugo should win gold glove don't care that's fair could not I think him and Adolis Garcia are head to head, and he's probably going to win out because even though it doesn't matter, they factor in offensive stuff. Yeah, I don't care. My life will not change one iota if he wins or loses that award. Won't be on the team for much longer, it seems. Oh, what are you hearing? <laughs> you hear about that one Soto article? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, he's going to trade. Jim Bowden has him traded to the Padres. It's going to happen tomorrow. It could. We'll see. All right. Uh, We'll be back next Wednesday with Will Fleming. (laughs) Is that a promise? Uh, Yes. It's I mean, listen, it's about it's about syncing up schedules. He's a busy man. Can't wait to talk to you, Flum Dog. Yeah. He probably can't wait to talk to you. He's probably the only like, have you communicated with him at all? Uh, DMs, I think, or Twitter. OK, he's met me and Jake. Because I'm the big boys. Yeah. The big dog. Yeah. The big bear. Are you giving yourself a nickname? No, don't call me that on Twitter, please. Tyler, the big bear. <laughs> I don't want to send any wrong messages here. Why? I don't want people to feel like hurt. 
if I'm like, hey, I'm in a relationship. You think you can't be called Big Bear if you're in a relationship? I don't know. I don't know the rules. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back next Wednesday with Will Fleming. Uh, Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Buenas noches, amigos. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.